Welcome to Become the Me I Want to Be, the podcast that helps entrepreneurs like you focus on driving your personal growth, building your positive energy, and giving you the support that you need to achieve your goals so that you can win in life and succeed at home. So welcome everybody to Become the Me I Want to Be and today's guest, Andrew Weiss. Andrew, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate that. And everybody else for or to getting to know Andrew better, make sure to check the bio out in the description section where you can also find links how to connect with him. Okay. And this whole interview is going to be spent on digging out as many golden nuggets as we can from him in the short amount in as short amount of time as possible. Sound fair? All right, excellent. All right, so let's get going right away. Um, Andrew, I, I noticed you are a, um, a, a speaker coach. You help others improve their speaking. Speaking is huge. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, then I can pretty much say you should be, you must be a good speaker. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. No, pu- public speaking is actually the number one fear in the world. And so if you're someone who's great at communicating and can give public presentations, you're going to be one of the top looked up to leaders that you deserve to be nice nice now we're going to talk about that fear in a little bit because that's going to be around my second third depending on what things you're going to say and how many more questions i'm going to have but yeah you know what's the key the key ingredients to becoming or being a good speaker well there are definitely lots of key ingredients and what i like to tell people is that whenever they're afraid of public speaking is Believe it or not, it's actually not your fault. Uh, so you can take that big burden off your shoulders like, ah, I'm afraid of public speaking. My, my world's going to end. But in reality, it's not your fault because for thousands of years, humans lived in tribes and groups and we relied on each other to be able to survive. Mm-hmm. And built into our DNA that whenever we have a bunch of eyes that are watching us, that means that we did something bad and there's a good chance we're going to get kicked out of the tribe. And of course, if we get kicked out of the tribe, that's a no go. You don't want that. And so that's how that's one of the first things I tell people is that luckily it's the 21st century. And even if you leave a bad impression on a group of people, there's still 7 billion other people on the planet. And so you could definitely relax a little bit more and kind of having that that sense of awareness, knowing that it's built into our DNA to be afraid of public speaking. Now that's the 21st century. It's time to overcome that fear so that we can become better communicators and get our message out there. Mm-hmm. And is it then just a matter of or is one of the most important things and just do it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Or, or what, what is it that you suggest when people are like, you know, no, 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 I'm, you know, I don't, I don't like that. Or that scares me. What's your biggest advice? Yeah, no, practice definitely makes perfect. It's definitely a big difference maker. And uh, I also talk about neuroplasticity. And for those who don't know what neuroplasticity is, is essentially the more we, we practice and learn something, the better we get at it. And I'm sure that uh, you have an older audience listening to this uh, talk right now. So everyone probably has experience driving a car. And I don't know about you, but when I first drove a car, I was like, where's the gas pedal? How do I put it in reverse? Like, this is so scary. How do I check my blind spots? And you were totally freaked out. And then as you get better and better, next thing you know, I heard about people who literally drive the steering wheel with their knees. They have a, a burger in one hand, a drink in another hand, and they use the stick shift with their elbow. And while they're talking on the phone to their girlfriend or boyfriend or something like that. And so it is like public speaking where, yes, at first you might be terrified and shaking and stuttering and have 
be sweating profusely. But as you do practice and get better at it and get more comfortable with it, soon you'll be telling stories, you'll be getting standing ovations, you'll be getting audiences laughing. So you need to know that I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't come out of the womb giving presentations to audiences of several hundred people. It was a skill I had to learn, I had to develop, I had to practice that, I had to study. And as long as you understand that with practice comes not necessarily perfection, but striving for perfection, that makes a huge difference in the way people are able to communicate. Absolutely. Yeah. I love what Jim Quick says that with practice comes progress. Mm -hmm. He took the perfect thing away. It's like, because that's another reason, I guess, why people are afraid to go speak. And it's like, yeah, but I'm not perfect yet. So, you know, I'm going to stay here in my own room and practice in front of the mirror for like years and years. Um, however, you know, yeah, practice in front of crowds because then you're like, oh, yeah, it's perfect now. And then you step in front of that crowd and it's like, oh. <laughs> so yeah. um, one of the things, because I checked you out a little bit that, that I liked on your LinkedIn, uh, your first thing you mentioned, like I have failed often, right? Not in those words, but more or less. So over the over those years, has the um, definition of failure changed for you? And what does it mean? Yeah, that's a good question. Has the definition of failure changed for me? You know, a great quote that I picked up uh, last year actually is that imperfect action is better than perfect inaction. Mm-hmm. And it's it's for me like I I've learned that to be okay with failure because at least I'm doing something. And I have behind me for those who are watching the video version, I have a picture of Teddy Roosevelt behind me, and he talks about how there's this quote about the man in the arena who's putting in the work, he's putting in the grind. And it's, it's so easy to look from an outside perspective and laugh at that person, criticize that person, but at least they're putting the work in in the first place. And mm-hmm. as I learned with, with failure is that you have to put in the work in order to get to where you want to go. And if you're not failing at something, that means you're not challenging yourself enough. You're not stretching yourself enough because from my failures, I've learned so much and I've been able to have so much more successes because of that, because it's so easy to give up once you quote unquote fail at something. But the people who are actually putting themselves out there, making mistakes, at least moving forward one step at a time, they're the ones who are going to get what they want. And it kind of goes back to, you know, people think, oh, overnight successes uh, is totally yes, a thing. But uh, as we both know, no, there's took several months, several years of hard work, failing, 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 until finally had that breakthrough point, and then things finally worked for them. So, yeah, when it comes to failure, if you think you're going to go through life without failure – then I'll give you a blanket and a warm pillow and a cup of coffee to just sit in a corner your whole life because that's not how it's going to work. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, absolutely agree. That said, what what is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned over the years? One of the biggest failures? <laughs> I, I say lessons, right? I don't say failures. I say lessons. Uh, I, mean, just, I don't like the word failure because for me, it just doesn't exist, right? So what is one of the biggest lessons that you have learned over the years that you would like to share with us that would be really beneficial for our highly driven entrepreneurs out there. It's actually, uh, I'll, I'll tell a story about this. When I was in college, I was in a fraternity and I wanted to uh, be on the fraternity government. And at the time I was doing a club called Toastmasters, which is a public speaking club. So I was improving, improving my public speaking in order to get elected to government, I had to give a presentation to the rest of my fraternity. And mm-hmm. here I am all confident saying, oh, I'm a public speaker. I know how to do this. I thought I did great. And then I didn't get elected. And I'm like, what the heck? What's going on? 
And I asked one of my fraternity brothers and he said, Andrew, the reason why you didn't get elected is because you weren't passionate enough. Mm -hmm. You weren't passionate enough because you didn't go all in on, on making sure you got that position. And once he said that, that really clicked for me that when I realized that, you know, for most of my life, I had been, it's an interesting human thought process that when we feel like we're not, we don't want to go 110% because we're worried about if, oh, what if we go 110% and then still fail, then that's all I've got. And then I'm worth nothing essentially. But the people who go 110%, you're already way ahead of the pack because you're doing all in going putting, giving it everything you've got, giving all your passion, all your effort, all your work ethic, and just making sure you're going to make it happen at all costs. And so I would say it's definitely one of the, the biggest lessons I've learned is that when I, when you want something to make it so that it's absolutely guaranteed that you're going to do it and complete it at all costs, no matter what, and just go all in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so once I learned that technique, that's what actually allowed me to finally get uh, first place for being one of the top public speakers in all central and southern Oregon at 22 years old. Um, it sort of allowed me to get my dream job right out of college and mm-hmm. be able to scale that company. If people knew the importance of just going all in, don't hold back, don't worry about failure, don't worry about um, don't worry about anything negative happening, just go for it, put all your passion into it, put all your effort into it. And no one should believe in you more than you believe in you in yourself. Mm. You have no choice but to succeed. Absolutely, absolutely. That reminds me of Will Smith, who says, "Sell yourself first, right?" Exactly. So I, lo- I love that. That's a great, absolutely fantastic lesson. So, what has been the point where you decided, you know, this is for me? What, what's what's the background story to what's deciding? You know, I'm going to be in public speaking because so many of us. The reason why I'm asking, so so you get a little bit of story. So many of us are just looking at like, okay, what am I going to do? And then we see somebody like you, and it's like public speaking. And it's like, wow, it's been always public speaking. While for others, they're like, they're just looking, right? How does one all of a sudden decide, that's it, I'm sticking with this, and that's where my passion comes from, and I burn everything else, right? Burn the, <laughs> burn the ships, and let's go. Yeah, great question. Yeah, So, yeah, you know, believe it or not, I wasn't always able to give presentations for large groups of people. Um you know, I, I was a very shy, well, not shy, but I, I was definitely awkward and goofy. And I grew up in, uh, in an environment where, you know, my, my family teased each other a lot, like 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 deep, dark stuff. Like they, they didn't hold anything back. And mm-hmm. so I definitely didn't have much much confidence in myself. Um, and then I discovered, you know, I did a high school musical. So I learned how to get better at actually singing on stage uh, with people. Um, and then I, I just, in my my breakthrough point came in high school when I realized, you know, I wasn't really good at anything. My friends had ditched me um, by going to a different high school. I wasn't getting along with my family. And I decided in high school, I need to be the best person I can be. So I don't have to go through this pain points where I feel like, you know, where I feel like my voice isn't, doesn't matter. I feel like my voice isn't, isn't heard. And I didn't really start discovering, um, you know, public speaking until I, until I joined Toastmasters in college. And by joining Toastmasters, for those who don't know, it's an international public speaking organization. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. Free to join. You can, I think it's like uh, $4 a month if you want to sign up for their official club or something like that. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, so the first year I went out for the international competition, I got second place out of two people. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm not good at public speaking if I can't even <laughs> be better than one person. And then luckily, that's when uh, yeah, my fraternity brother gave me that breakthrough of being more passionate, getting more into it. And that's when I got voted first place. 
you know, when people start to discover their their whys and what they're good at and what they want to pursue for the rest of their life, you know, I, I'm I'm someone who's very big on personal development. Where I'm 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 someone who definitely believes in problem solving. And I saw as a problem for myself that hey, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know where my life is going. And so the solution that I asked myself, because going back to humans are natural problem solvers, is okay. I need to take more personality tests. I need to take more career tests. And I need to ask more people um, about jobs or careers that look that sound and look cool to me, and see what they like about them, what they don't like about them, um, how they got into that. Because I've always been a, a very curious person, and that curiosity has given me a lot of advantages because I'm able to answer questions or get questions answered I wouldn't otherwise have access to. And I'm a big advocate. Um, there's a guy named uh, David Meltzer. Um, he has a great book called uh, Connected to Goodness, and he talks about how you want to avoid the dummy tax, where the dummy tax is making sure you don't make the same mistakes that someone else made. Mm-hmm. And so by getting out there, you know, doing personality tests, asking questions of people, um, being able to do that, um, that's what really gave me the clarity saying, okay, um, when I joined Toastmasters and I discovered, hey, I'm good at this, I enjoy doing this, <clears throat> I know I need impact and fulfillment in my life, and I feel like I'm able to impact more people if I can give presentations to hundreds and thousands of people um, rather than focusing on one or two people at a time. Like I'm, I'm all about ripple effects. And so that was essentially a little bit of my journey to get into public speaking and then just recognizing, you know, this is a, a lifelong skill. And I actually discovered recently, I'm sure everyone on this call knows Warren Buffett, uh, one of the richest people in the world, even though he has two degrees from two different universities, the only degree or uh, certification he has pinned to his wall is his public speaking um, certification from the Dale Carnegie Academy. That's the only one that has mattered to him that got him to help give him the success that he has today. And so if, if public speaking, if you believe that it's something that's holding you back, um, I would definitely love to make sure you get the resources you need to not, not let that hold you back anymore because, as I mentioned, one of the top fears in the world, and I want to help make sure you get to where you want to go with those communication skills. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Love that. So you mentioned that your confidence was low when you were younger. Because uh, oh, yeah. confidence is huge, right? And I think we're all suffering from that at one point or another point. What's your approach to making sure that your confidence is always top, top? Yeah, yeah. So there's definitely a lot of lot of factors when it comes to confidence. And one of the biggest things is that our environment definitely shapes who we are. And mm-hmm. Jim Rohn, a, another great person in the personal development world who taught Zig Ziglar, who taught Tony Robbins, mm-hmm. he says that we are the average of the five people who we spend the most time with. True. And so if you're constantly spending time with people who are tearing you down, who don't believe in your mission and vision, who don't think you can do anything, who are making bad decisions every day, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to feel down. You're going to make bad decisions. You're not going to know how to believe in your vision and mission. So one of the first things you want to do is start to shape your environment where you're spending time with people who do care about you, who do see the best in you. Um, Mm -hmm. And then from there, of course, you know, having that self-love where, you know, look good, feel good, dress in a way that makes you feel awesome, um, doing activities that, uh, that you enjoy, that you appreciate. Um, start shaping your environment where you have no choice but to become more confident. Like I'm wearing this nice checkered shirt uh, today and I, I feel confident in this shirt. So I, I wore it on this call and I was, I was talking to one of my clients recently and he was telling me how he wears a, a sweatshirt to work. And, uh, and I'm like, do you think you're going to get a lot of respect wearing a sweatshirt to work? He's probably, and he's like, no. <laughs> so, so you definitely want to yeah, look good, feel good, upgrade your environment, um, start working on skill sets that, um, you start getting better at skill sets because 
going back to neuroplasticity is that the the better we get at something, the more we enjoy doing it, and which is also kind of a cool cool thing that our brains do. So there's definitely a lot of factors to confidence, but I would say that the top thing to do is to start spending time with more people who you believe are confident or can help make you confident or definitely help you feel inspired and feel great about yourself. Absolutely. Love that. One of the things you were talking about and uh, that you had um, within you already, curiosity. That's not my strong side, to be honest. I actually bought a book called Curiosity and, and, lo- and learn from that, right? What would be one of the tricks or tips that you can share with people on improving their curiosity? Because it's it's huge. It's so important. See, my top tips on curiosity, curiosity I would say, if you never ask, the answer is always no. <laughs> if you never ask, the answer is always no. And, you know, another good uh, confidence trick is um, rejection therapy. And uh, for those who don't know, rejection therapy is a, was a TED talk that came out a few years ago. And basically, um, you know, I've used it a lot in my own life. And it's awesome how much it's worked is that you start asking things of people that you'd, that you'd expect them to say no to. And the guy who gave the TED talk, you know, told the story how, like, for example, he would go to Starbucks and ask for 10% off his order just for the heck of it. And they would say, okay, sure. Yeah. And give him 10%. He'd be like, what? And he told the story to how uh, he went to Krispy Kreme and said, hey, can you make um, some donuts in the shape of the Olympic rings? And, and they're like, oh, yeah, sure, of course. And then he made a viral video off that. Um, he asked a cop if he could drive his cop car. And the cop said yes to that. And so it j- just getting used to like rejection therapy is essentially you, you asking things not expecting a yes, and so that you you get more immune to when people say no to you, and then once they start saying yes, it's like, all oh, right, that, this is awesome, because um, you you'd be surprised what people say yes to, and then if they say no, that's okay. You're used to no, so it doesn't affect you anymore. It doesn't emotionally mm-hmm. hurt you anymore. Um, so I'd definitely say that uh, you know being being a curious person, if you want to flex your your curious muscle, is kind of keep that in the back of your mind that if you never ask, the answer is always no. And so it doesn't hurt to put yourself out there and see what you can figure out. Exactly, exactly. And the sooner the better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that lesson. That, that's absolutely fantastic. And you mentioned you're big on personal development um, and, and I think personal development, self-care, right? Growth. What are some of the things that you do um, every single morning to make sure that you work on yourself? Yeah, so my, my morning routine is I, I wake up and one of the first things I do is I write down everything I'm grateful for. I write down everything that I'm excited for the day to help get that excited energy and grateful energy. Um, and then because I'm part of personal development means physical development too. Uh, right now I'm working on my goal is to dunk a basketball. Um, for those listening, I'm, I'm 5'11 and three quarters, not quite six feet, unfortunately. And uh, <laughs> what's, what's extra funny is that my I'm the run to my family. My my brothers, younger brothers are 6'2 and 6'6. My dad's 6'5. And so... You know, I always kind of make that joke that's on the run to six feet. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, to help get closer to dunking a basketball, I have to make sure I stay in peak physical fitness. So I do 100 push-ups. I do a three-minute plank. I do 15 pull-ups. Um, I do 40 calf raises right now. I do 10 one-legged squats for each leg um, just to kind of get the momentum for the day. And then, yeah, sometimes I'll have a cup of tea as well because I'm not a coffee drinker. I know I can't stand the taste. I know I'm one of those weirdos, but um, tea all the way. <laughs> um, and that's that usually what helps me get started each day. And 
what most people don't most people knock though is the nighttime routine because the nighttime routine can be just as important as the morning routine Absolutely. so in the nighttime routine i i record everything that i've received that day that i appreciate that I've like things that have come into my life um i just kind of give like an overall brain dump through an audio recorder um and then i write down all my victories for the day what i'm grateful for the day and then of course planning out the next day so i can be more prepared for the next day as well and of course, making sure it aligns with my weekly, monthly, quarterly goals too. So I definitely am a big advocate for both morning and nighttime routines to make sure you feel like you're one step ahead. Absolutely, I'm so glad that you brought that up um, because yeah, it, it's it's absolutely uh, absolutely huge to uh, to do that. People think like, oh yeah, do a morning routine, it's going to be okay. Uh, a lot of people don't do it. That's why I start calling it a morning system because it's not about the time. Because everybody thinks morning routine has got to be at four o'clock, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's good. Wake up at four and then go ahead. But we're all different, right? So um, it's definitely very important to find your rhythm and find your routine. Love that. You mentioned, and, I, and then that, that stuck out on me is like the amount of exercises that you do to work on your health because i think that's where it will start with that brings us the energy to come here and sit here and be you know excited and passionate and i th i personally believe that that's where everything comes from um do you only exercise in your in your morning routine or do you besides that that's just the basic and then besides that you also work on i don't know running going to the gym what's what's your sport of choice Besides yeah. basketball, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, I make it my goal to work out at least three or four times a week. And what I'm, what I'm a big, big fan of is a high intensity interval training, where okay. yeah. you work out really hard for a short period of time. And I work out my my whole body by doing like push ups, squats, jumping jacks, like all the above. And, and uh, the reason I do the three minute plank is I uh, also I follow these uh, these Twitter gurus uh, in the physical space. And they say, you know, the average person should be able to do a minimum of three minute plank and a minimum of, of uh, 15 pull ups in a row. So that's when I said, OK, if that's the minimum ex expectations, I better make that my standard and make sure I can do that every single day. Nice. Um, but yeah, so as far as the exercise outside of the morning routine, um, when I get my gym membership again, I'm I do 100 jumps as high as I can trying to dunk a basketball. Um, and just to be able to get that explosiveness and build that strength and endurance in my legs and get that ability. And then, of course, I also need time to recover my legs because it is a lot of work on my legs. If you overstretch, overstress them, you don't get the results you want. So mm -hmm. when I'm not doing the 100 jumps workouts, I do yeah high-intensity interval training, which is like I do 21 minutes of just hard work through an app called 7. It's a free app on the App Store just called 7. Mm -hmm. And then I put intervals at like 30 to 60 seconds at a time. And so I do like triple those each day. And, yeah, you definitely feel, feel good afterwards. And I can't complain about the results. I uh, – I definitely feel pretty fit, get confidence or get compliments on my fitness. And so hard to complain. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Which helps again with the confidence level. Exactly. Right? Exactly. It yeah. Makes it a nice circle. Love mm -hmm. that. Absolutely love that. So thank you for sharing that. Appreciate it. Um, we reached the end of our live interview. So um, Andrew, again, thank you so much for being on. Really appreciate it. Everybody else. Hope you enjoyed listening again the bio of Andrew and the links on how to connect with him is in the description section. Uh, make sure to check him out. And if you have any questions in regards to public speaking, definitely reach out to Andrew because he's the man to talk to. So thank you again and have a fantastic day, everybody. Take care.
Thanks for listening to Become The Me I Want To Be. And be sure to join the Facebook group where we have a whole community of like-minded individuals moving forward in their journeys. A link can be found in the show notes. If you're looking at taking your growth and achievement to the next level, then let's set up a coaching session right now. Just click the link to book your transition call. Till next time, come on, say it with me. I'm becoming the me I want to be.